Big Fluff. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. This is Erin McGathy, and you're listening to Hobo Radio. Meow, meow, meow. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I am Joel Murphy, and I am very excited today to bring you my chat with Aaron McGathy, who I talked to remotely all the way uh, from Ireland, uh, which was awesome to set up. She was very nice to chat with me with at a time that ended up being very late in the evening for her. And she was very gracious with her time, and I really appreciate it. And and she was just so delightful to talk to, which made me so happy, because I am a big fan of her podcast, which if you aren't listening to them, uh, you should be, because they're, they're really good. She has uh, This Feels Terrible, and she has Human Conversation, and uh, they are both really good, and you should be checking them out, and... Uh, if you want to get a feel for for who she is and what she's like on those shows, then all you have to do is check out this interview because she is exactly who I hoped she would be. And I really loved talking to her and I really like how this interview turned out. And I think you guys will really like it as well. So without further ado, Aaron McGathy. Well, I, I wanted to start. I always I think it's fun to ask people uh, it, for those who knew you growing up, like if, you know, we were to go back and like ask someone uh, who knew you when you were young, like, is there stories that they're telling of like, I knew Aaron was going to be a performer because blank. Like, is there that story? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I it seems like it's not a very cool answer, but I think yes. Um I, I definitely was, uh, I, I was a very weird kid and I definitely beat to my own drum and was doing my own shows and kind of had a unique perspective compared to other kids and I moved around a lot. So I think that it wouldn't s- surprise, I mean, when I see, when I see people that I knew, um, when I was younger, it doesn't really surprise them that I'm doing performing and comedy and arty stuff uh so yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, but i mean like did you uh what kind of stuff did you do did you do plays as a kid or did you do just like you were always 
sort of naturally a showman or, or what, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of a child being naturally a showman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. Um, no, I, I picture you I, with a hat and you're, you've got like, yeah, yeah. Like, like a, like a mater D outfit is what yeah. I'm imagining. <laughs> and maybe like a wand that's made out of a ruler or something. Yeah. You it's very like kid, yeah. kid cabaret, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds equally great and uh, terrifying and like borderline inappropriate. But uh, yeah, I yeah. Um, let's see. I did do I did do plays. I also like in uh, the thing that comes to mind is that when I was in the fifth grade around, I don't know, like nine or 10 years old in my neighborhood, which was a military base in Florida. I put on like immersive, <laughs> if I, if I was to, I'm in a position right now where I'm having to like write a lot of summaries for like different projects and shows that I'm doing. So if I was to do that, I guess I would call it like an immersive theatrical experience where <laughs> I would, um, like without asking my parents, I would like redo the rooms in the house so people would go through the rooms like a haunted house, but it wasn't like a haunted house. It was like a story. Like uh, the one that I remember is I, I invited a bunch of neighbors over and I had all the kids ask this out, but it was, um, uh, I don't think I've actually ever told anyone about this, but I w- took the neighbors through and the idea was that they were, they were being born and then they were living their lives and then dying. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so, um, and I had... Yeah, like I had them falling and like getting married and uh, and then they in the in the story. The only thing I remember from the story is that in the story that I wrote, their husband or wife would die at a restaurant <laughs> like like on Valentine's Day or something. It was some sort of romantic thing. And I only had one CD and it was um Glenn Miller's in the mood. <laughs> so every because uh, I was a 50 year old <laughs> uh, man in, in a nine-year-old girl's body but um yeah every every room had a different glenn miller song so yeah <laughs> how long did, did you spend on this this seems very elaborate <laughs> <laughs> i think I, I think it was what i did all summer like every day of the summer i was doing stuff like that i also did i was obsessed with sidewalk chalk and i would um make big like stories out of chalk um the way that kids do mm-hmm and yeah, but it was just stuff that I was doing over the summer. I also, uh, there is, this is when I lived in Florida, this, this was like over two summers. Um, we lived in Florida and like I said, we lived on this military base and the military base was extremely boring, which is great for creativity. Um, and it was extra boring because, uh, the military base was actually shutting down. Like they were closing the military base. And so every, all the families were moving away, but my dad hadn't gotten his orders yet. So it was just like a couple, couple families living on this base. And I found this sinkhole and a tangerine orchard. Um, and I found like a bunch of old mattresses and I bent them into a roof and like created like a hideaway home that I decorated for the kids in the area and like had like a club sort of thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that would, that would have been more of like a role playing experience. Right. Cause I, <laughs> uh, and I was like the mother or like kind of a Wendy I had the sort of a Wendy role in that situation. 
I like that. Like, I like this idea, though, of you like that. You were like the destination to go to as a kid that like you, you know, it's like if we're going over Aaron's house, like something cool is happening. You know, it kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am an excellent host. I will. I will give myself credit for that. I'm good at hosting. Uh, so when uh, when did you start like seriously uh, pursuing? Were you always kind of like on a path to to be a performer or, or were, were there other things that you considered? Like, when do you think you actually like set out to? Uh, well, I, I definitely I really wanted to be an actor or an acting teacher when I was in junior high and high school. And uh, when I was in high school, I discovered improv and I actually I actually saw a show um, featuring Matt Gorley, who's hilarious, who's now oh, yeah. my friend and is an amazing performer and podcaster and a million other things, um, who's getting married in May. And I'm actually flying back to Los Angeles for his wedding. But I saw him perform at a high school theater convention. Um, and he's about 12 years older than me. And he was in his 20s and he was hilarious. And after I saw that, I really wanted to pursue improv. Uh, and I went to college and I ended up, I went to college in San Francisco and I, because I was so sheltered growing up, cause I grew up in a very like Christian household and the craziest things I was doing were, you know, creating houses and sinkholes. So <laughs> I, I like when I had any bit of freedom, I kind of lost my mind a bit and got, I don't know, like I, I just, partied way too hard and had to drop out of college after like a semester and I moved back home to San Diego but I didn't move back home I moved in with friends and I auditioned for an improv theater and I started working there and I worked there for a couple of years while I was going to college and then I moved to Los Angeles uh when I was 20 21 um so the idea was always like once I started doing improv, I really wanted to do comedy and improv. And I moved to Los Angeles to be closer to the UCB theater and to perform at UCB. And yeah. Nice. So, so, so that was yes. kind of the that was the plan coming to L.A. It was just you were you were focused on UCB and you were going to kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I wanted to. Uh, I knew I wanted to perform at the UCB and at IO and I put in an application to be an intern because I couldn't afford classes. Um, but you get classes for free if you intern. So I put in an application at the UCB and at IO and I, um, I got an internship at IO first. So I kind of like made my first friends there. Um, but then I, I got put onto kind of very early on, because uh, I, I had been doing improv for a couple of years at this point. And for my age, I was kind of, because I had, I had been working at this improv theater where I was performing four times a week. And it, I mean, the, um, had had all this experience under my belt. Uh, I wasn't definitely had like way further to go, but I had more experience than, than most of the people around me, I think who were first coming to LA. And I ended up getting put on this team called Cog that had Craig Kikowski, who's a great performer, and Jack McBrayer and uh, Tammy Sager and a bunch of other amazing people. And the artistic director of UCB at the time saw me in a show there and automatically put me on a team. So I got put on a, on a team at UCB before I started taking classes there. 
And then I got an internship and then I was interning at both theaters and then I was doing shows at both theaters and then I was doing like 10 shows a week at one point. Oh, wow. Running back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. So that was your life. I mean, that was it, right? Like if you're doing two internships and performing, yeah, yeah, that's that you don't have time for anything else at that point. Yeah. I mean, just that and like flirting and uh, being obsessed with like, when I think about that time, I was doing so many shows, but like sadly kind of what sticks out of my mind is like, Oh, that's when I was dating so-and-so or like, that's when that (laughs) drama was happening. Um, yeah, because I, I, I also I think because I didn't really have a traditional college experience because I just did one semester in a dorm and then I was kind of doing like a commuter student thing. I I really threw myself into like all the social aspects of um, the UCB and IO. And that's definitely where I got like that college experience, which was really great. Really, uh, re- it was a really wonderful time. I remember being super happy. It was great. And what were you working towards something in particular? Like, did you, you, you want to end up on a, a team? Like, did you want to end up on TV? Like, what was the in yeah, your dreams? I mean, great, great question. Um, I, I wish I could say I'm more. I'm not like really. And I, I wish I was not this way, but I'm not very goal oriented. Um, I'm very uh like happiness oriented, which is a hard way to be oriented in the entertainment business. (laughs) And I, um, because you need to set goals in order to like move further along or, you know, you wake up and you're like, what what am I doing? All my friends are, are doing all these things that I, that I want to be doing. Um, I will say, I, mm-hmm. interestingly, because I, I actually interviewed Matt Gorley last year, and like he oh, had, nice. he found a way to do that. Like when I was talking to him, I realized yeah, that, yeah. that like he just does whatever he wants to do. Like, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, that, yeah. That is kind of his career path. It's just like today I feel like doing a podcast, and tomorrow I might, you know, like I just thought that was totally, so amazing yeah. that he has found a way to, to do that. But so you, it can be done in LA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, Matt, Matt's, Matt's like, um, I, I feel very kindred with Matt and he's one of my, I don't know. I consider him almost like extended family. Um, and I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I, <laughs> there wasn't, but, I yeah. but I also, but I also know, I mean, I've also seen Matt be very uh, frustrated with his career, but, but he is like, he, he's, it seems like he's in like this great stasis where he's doing all these amazing things. And he also, I think it's also hard for people that are, um, like I have, I have, I love, I love performing comedy more than anything. Um, but I also have other things that I really enjoy doing that make me feel more fulfilled as a human being. Like I like making art and I like, you know, uh, (laughs) I like hosting weird parties and I like playing games and I like traveling and I like all these things. And there, there are people that have a lot of my, a lot of my friends also have this, have this real obvious goal driven, like, I'm going to be on SNL. I'm going to be on SNL or like, I'm going to have a show. I'm going to have a show. And it's all they, it's all they care about. So, you know, they don't have as many distractions and I, and I, um, this sounds like a backhanded compliment. It's not like I, I envy that focus, uh, or maybe it doesn't sound like a backhanded compliment. Now that I've said that, it sounds like it's, it's absolutely a backhanded compliment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, 
I guess there is like a little bit of judgment in that and that I don't have, um, I don't have a huge drive for, I definitely want approval from people and I definitely want people to like me and I definitely don't want anyone to not like me, but I definitely don't need more people to like me. Like I don't feel loved the more people that like me. I feel loved when my friends or people I admire or, um, romantic partners love me, if that makes sense. Like there are people who need like massive public, um, admiration and are, have a hard time accepting love from people that are close to them. And then there are the other kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think like, yeah, I, I think your approach, uh, to performing is fantastic. I think that, Honestly, a lot of people do look at it as like means to an end. And I think that because like I uh, I did improv and I it was just a fun thing that I did. I did it in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I, I never. Yeah. Sorry. I'm talking a lot. No, that's good. No, please do. (laughs) (laughs) I I was worried about um, (laughs) leading up to this interview. I was worried about being tired. So I took a little nap and I poured myself some coffee. And now I'm like way more awake than I I expected to be. Um, Oh, but I was going to say, yeah, during that time, as far as goals, like I just wanted to do that forever. I just wanted to do. I just love live shows. And there were even there there were several like opportunities that came up. And I did like little jobs and things, but I didn't care as much. I mean, I don't really have any regrets, but if I had to make myself regrets, it would be like not following up on opportunities that I got during that time. Um that said, I'm being really good about that now that I live in Europe (laughs) (laughs) home of so many more opportunities. No, no. So many less, so many less. Um, but weirdly, like I'm, my career is going so much better over here just because I suddenly am like, Oh, I really want to, I actually now want to work on television over here and I want to do all these things. And yeah. Do you think it was just, having clarity like removing yourself from LA I am very curious about the the move like yeah um I mean check back in with me in a couple years but like what I what I suspect right now um did you ever go to summer camp yes yes okay it's kind of the feeling I would compare the feeling to summer camp and that like and I assume the summer camp that you went to like it wasn't with your school right like this is like a separate summer camp from your school right Right. Yeah. So like when you go to summer camp, you find yourself doing different activities than you did at home because you don't have outside people kind of defining you and you tend to, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just (laughs) projecting on you, my experience, but, um, I was a camp when I was a camp counselor and like when I would go to summer camps, like more so as a camp counselor, especially because I was a theater arts counselor. So many kids who didn't do theater arts at home would go to camp and be like, oh, this is my favorite thing. But I feel like too embarrassed to do it at home. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. You. It's a. Well, this moving is like that too. I, I'm sure. Like, I. I don't know if you found that because what you said you you know with the military thing. I don't know if like a mm. different city gave you a different chance to. To, you know what I mean? If you go to a new school, yeah, yeah. You're, you're in a new situation. You they you don't have that sort of, you know, my hometown. They all, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. They will always think of yeah, me. Yeah, as... yeah, yeah. I mean, the truth is, like, no one in L.A., um, no one in L.A., uh, like, care. Like, I, th- I think, like, 
it had all these voices. And I mean, I didn't really have to move to Dublin to feel this way. And I didn't, I didn't move to Dublin to feel this way. It's just like a happy byproduct of everything. But, um, I, in LA, I, I, I grew very self-conscious of, um, doing like pursuing my career or working really hard on my career. Um, there is like, and I've heard other people talk about this, but there is kind of a stigma against, um, working really hard in LA or, uh, I don't know. That's the wrong thing to say, but I, this is not, this is not my ex-husband's fault at all, but my ex-husband was so successful. Um, and we were together for like four years or so. I kind of stopped doing all my own things because I was in such a different place in my career that it all just kind of seemed silly. (laughs) Like, like, Oh, you have a network television show. I better work on pitching my sketch show to the, it just, uh, it just didn't seem as, I just wasn't as excited about it. I was like, I was more, yeah, I just, I just kind of stopped caring about it. Um, and that is not remotely his fault. He was, he was very supportive, but, um, yeah, it's all, uh, there's also like a lot of I don't know. Maybe it's like big fish, small pond, I, I, whatever it is. Well, I, I also just like the culture here better. Check back in two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, I don't know what it is. I, I feel more comfortable um, kind of uh, representing myself here. And I feel less embarrassed asking like I, I like I just got signed by a manager, which I didn't have in L.A. because I was like too embarrassed to pursue that. <laughs> so, uh, well and I, I would imagine too i mean like i am someone i imagine a lot of people like this the the first time i i was aware of you was through uh the harmontown podcast stuff so i'm sure that like mm-hmm. being tied to that too was also you know just sort of like that that was i guess the thing i don't know is that what i like a lot of people were sort of aware of you because of that? Like, did, I don't know if that can, contri- mm. I, I, now I'm projecting onto oh, you. If that, <laughs> <laughs> if that contributed to me, contributed to me moving or just you sort of like when you're talking about who you were in LA and sort of, uh, mm. what people knew you for, I guess, you know, you were sort of tied to that show and, and, you know, there was the Harmon quest and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's a weird thing because in LA, um, like literally in the city of LA, I'd say I'm mostly known for like uh, improv and UCB and stuff like that. The Harmontown audience is like a a different audience altogether. I'd say there are definitely like like in in like when I say in LA, I mean like in the comedy communities at LA in LA. Right. Like a lot of those people are to, don't know anything about, have never heard of Harmon Quest um, or Harmontown or anything. It's just like a, t- it's a totally different thing. But there are, the audience of Harmontown is so much bigger than um, the audiences that would see me in LA. So in that way, it's more more people. But when I, as far as like identifying myself or like who, I, I think of Harmontown as something that I, uh, like a great, like a great time. I definitely, I, I think of it as Dan's project. Like it wasn't me <laughs> at all. And like, I, I don't know. There, like there were times when I let myself, 
um, get bullied a, li- a little bit. And then there were times when I kind of played up that role and I think kind of betrayed myself a little bit. And then there were times that I think I had a, a great time and times when I was too drunk or times when I was forcing something or whatever. Um, but I don't see that as like, when I think about, even if that's how people know me, like that's, or like how a lot of people know me, that's not how everyone knows me, but if that's how a lot of people know me, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Um, and I, I've been recognized for it over here in Dublin. Like people listen to Harmontown in Ireland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Oh, so what, I mean, what do you think? You kind of mentioned the summer camp thing, but like, what do you think went into the move? Was it just why Dublin? Like you just, you went there mm. and you, you really enjoyed it or what was the, the appeal? Was there something specific or? Uh, yeah, I, I think w- something to keep in mind is that, uh, because I did grow up with a military background, so I'm used to moving to new places. Um, and so like the idea of moving to a new country would probably be less insane for me than it would be for someone else as far as like putting it in, putting it in context for that move. Um, but the, the thing that made me move here was just that I, that that's that sounded weirdly uppity it wasn't meant to be at all no one's ever been arrogant about being the kid of someone who's in the navy but (laughs) (laughs) um uh i well like i don't have any family in california i don't have any roots except for my friends and um when i went to i originally went to ireland in 2015 to volunteer on a farm um and i and i went looking back on it, I went because I was just unhappy and I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, I, I felt, I don't know, I just needed to do something. And I went to Ireland and I was just by myself and kind of like felt like I was myself again and felt like I had some worth again. Like I had, I had just poured myself into, my relationship and um, so just someone else's life and career and just kind of lost lost sight of myself, um, which is not his fault at all. It's 100% my fault. Um, and then I, I, I came back and like, I, I know I just, I really loved Ireland, but when I visited Ireland in 2015, I did not think like, oh, I'm going to move to Ireland. I just thought like, oh, it's amazing here. And I really like the culture. And I also was really, I all of a sudden was like making a ton of things. And um, the, co- the the people here, I don't know, their sense of humor very much lines up with mine. And I love the weather. And um, yeah, I, do, I just love it. But when I, when I came back to LA and um, filed for divorce and everything, like I... After that, I just, I don't know, it just started with like a small thought where I was like, I'm going to move to Ireland. <laughs> like, what <laughs> if I move to Ireland? And then I just, people started asking me, people were treating me after Dan and I broke up like I had, uh, like my entire family had died. Like people were, <laughs> like I would run into people and everyone would be like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, 
which made me feel incredibly uncomfortable and like I wanted to get away. Um, and I think maybe that, (laughs) maybe that added to it a bit, but I just, I just started thinking like, what if I, like I, if I'm ever going to just move to another country and, and I, at the time I did not realize how difficult it is to just move to another country. I was very like, (laughs) I just, I just, I didn't know what the logistics would be, but I, I, I think I just started saying it out loud and then I, Oh, and another thing to do with it is my best friend had just moved back to St. Louis. So if there's anyone who is like my family, she was it and she was gone. And I also like, I hated, I love my friends in LA and I hate LA. I've always hated LA. And I like, (laughs) there were times when I like lied to myself and said like, no, no, I love LA. But the reasons that people love LA are like, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like the weather. I don't like the culture. I don't like. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I don't like um, talking about the industry constantly. And uh, again, I love my friends and there are things that I do like about it. But I just I think they're like different people like different cities. And it doesn't mean that it's a bad city. It just means that I like other cities more. That's all. (laughs) Sure. um, Yeah. and because I'm someone who's like moved around a lot, I can I can look back and say like I liked that city. I didn't like that city. This city was better for me because um, people are you know culture is different in different cities. So it was it was a big. I think I think also it just seemed really funny to me a bit. Like what if I just moved to Ireland like in in a kind of just destructive way. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, that that was kind of hilarious to me though I didn't actually tell I told just my close friends about it and then I just went and then I like posted an Instagram saying I moved to Ireland yeah. which I kind of loved doing no, they, no yeah that's got to be freeing I would imagine to just be you know like yep, that's it like just this is how I'm telling it yeah, yeah 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 exactly and then and then last year I was going kind of back and forth and like I I wasn't allowed to just stay there. I had to, (laughs) like, uh, of course. Um, And I didn't think I would be allowed to just stay there. I just thought I would kind of figure it out, which I did. Like, now it's all figured out. But I had to come back to L.A. And I when I was I was in Ireland for three months and part of me was still like, okay, I'm not going to commit to actually moving here yet. Like, I just went through a divorce. You're not supposed to make huge decisions like this when you've just gone through a huge life change like this. Right. Like now is not the time to do this. Like everything is mixed up and I, I, I I shouldn't be allowed to make big decisions for myself. Um, or I should be, I just don't, shouldn't make any big (laughs) decisions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't totally set on moving to Ireland even. And when people would ask me like, have you moved to Ireland? I just like wouldn't answer (laughs) whenever I would just be like, I don't know, or, um, I'm here now, you know? Uh, and then I, I went back to LA, um, for three months, uh, to prepare for a U.S. tour. I went back to, uh, I just decided that I was going to tour my podcast without any (laughs) looking into how difficult that is. Um, (laughs) So I just decided I was going to do it and I went back to LA and I started planning it. And when I was back in LA, I really, really gave in the same way that I gave my marriage a real shot when I came back from Ireland the first (laughs) time I I came back and I, um, 
just assessed everything and I hung out with all my friends and I, um, I then went on this big tour around the country and I, after that I was like, nope, I think I'm going to really move to Ireland. I think I'm going to try this. It's easy enough to fly back to LA. It's not a different country now with like with social media, it feels like I'm seeing my friends just as much as I would otherwise. Like you and I are talking on this on a, on a phone call that's free right? because of an app. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. Like <laughs> that it, I, I'm able to talk to my family and my friends for free where like it wouldn't have been that way before and I would have felt more isolated and it would feel more like I was just cutting off all ties, which is not what I wanted to do at all. I just wanted to have like a new adventure and see what happens. So yeah. So, so now I'm like officially moved. Well, yeah. So I, I, I'm sure it was not this, but just the, almost the descript, like the picture in my head that I get when you describe it is like you almost this picture of you showing up in Ireland with bags and just like, oh, well, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but I assume there was more to it than that. <laughs> um, it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of like that. I, I, um, I met my best friend in New York. I flew from New York, um, cause she was in St. Louis and we met, we met in New York and we went to Ellis Island to do like a reverse immigration <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I kind of want to do again because then I wasn't totally sure that I was going to go to Ireland. So we were, I mean, we do like silly, well, they're not silly. It's not silly to us, but we do a lot of, um, kind of commemorative things together and a lot of like to mark different moments in our lives. So that was kind of the idea of that. Um, but yeah, no, I did, I did literally just show up with bags and I had an Airbnb like that was, that was all I had for plans. Um, and how long and like, I, were you covered? Like how long did you have the Airbnb? I'm just like, yeah, this is the part I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had the Airbnb, I think for two weeks. Um, okay. and then, yeah. And then that Airbnb ran out. So I had to go get another Airbnb, but then, um, a, uh, I, I was very another reason why I moved here was because when I first visited Ireland in 2014, I went to a couple comedy nights here. Just, I mean, I, I was actually going because I was like, oh, let's see what Irish comedy is like. <laughs> like, are they? Is it all limericks or like what is it? So, um, <laughs> uh, and um, oh, a, a side note, my my boyfriend now is from Limerick and. It's the roughest city in Ireland. It is not at all like, oh. <laughs> like a funny, a funny little poem. Um, but anyway, I went to these two comedy nights and they were amazing. They were so great. And there were so many funny women and me and uh, I was I was with Dave Horowitz and my best friend Kimber. And we were just so blown away by it. And when I came out here, like I just became friends with the people that I thought were the funniest and they're, they were so nice and so welcoming. So one of the comedians who's a comedian named Andrea Farrell, who like won best Irish comedian a couple years ago, and she's hilarious and really dry and funny and dark. She happened to need a roommate. So I just moved in with her. Um, so that's, that's how that happened. And did it just like continue to feel like you were on the right path? Like th did things just start lining up at that point or, or how? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, it, it was also, I mean, this time last year, which is when this was all kind of happening, 
was I didn't realize it was stupidly, but it, <laughs> but it like, but it was, you know, like a hard time emotionally. Um, though I, I tend to be, I don't know, like I do, like I said before, like my ultimate goal is just like being happy all the time. So I'm constantly like doing everything I can to make myself feel better about anything in whatever healthy way I can think of, like, you know, meditation or journaling or self or like recording voice memos or even interviewing myself embarrassingly. Um, but last year, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a really good exercise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or did you do it for the podcast or? Oh no, just for myself. Yeah. Not. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really, it's really good. It can make you feel like a little insane. Like you might actually have a different person inside of you, but it's, uh, but it's, but it's very good. Um, but I, I was like, I had just gone through, a divorce and a huge life change. Like we just, we just gotten divorced in November and I moved out to Ireland right afterwards. And there were a lot of times last year where I was like, why do I feel sad? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm broken. What's wrong with me? I'm in Ireland. I just felt like frustrated with myself, which is <laughs> like kind of insane to, I don't know. Like I genuinely was just confused. And the, the new friends I made, sometimes I like when I would talk about this, they would be like, yeah, you just went through a divorce and you left all your friends behind. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, but I was very, I was very nurtured by the city of Dublin, which I really just love so, so much. Like I've never loved any city more than the city and the culture in the city and like even like the dirty parts of the city I'm I'm really I'm really into so um yeah so now I feel more settled again I forgot the question you asked I I, I apologize for all the coffee and all the self-obsession apparently uh well when do you think it it said like was there a time that it like it was it just sort of gradual or was there did you start to at some point feel like you know when did it set in that you lived there I guess like oh oh I see yes yeah okay that makes sense (laughs) um not until this year I think um like I I went back to LA for the election um oh I not until I really got my until I got my visa and, um, yeah, not, not, in, not until like January of this year, I'd say, did I feel like I was actually here. Um, I'm trying to think of like a specific, oh, you know what? I think it was the moment, which was like fairly recently, the moment that I was able to read the money really quickly <laughs> was a big moment. <laughs> Um, cause it's all coins like euros, it's all coins. And you know, we're, I'm so used to our own money, but like when I could kind of just recognize the sizes and give correct <laughs> amounts, that was a very big moment. Um, what else? Uh, there are other, like there, there, one of the delights of living, moving to a new country, one of the de- delights and horrors is, uh, having to learn so many things, that you just don't even think of like the um the locks here are different than american locks like but in such a subtle way that they're so like i have been brought to tears by irish locks like i've been locked in bathrooms in bathroom stalls which they call cubicles just because like the mechanism of the lock 
is different from a American mechanism. How and I'm fascinated by this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the way that you like I just moved I just moved Oh, well another settling thing is that I I just moved into my own um little cottage uh which is lovely, but it has it 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 has a very complicated door system where you have to like lift up the doorknob and then twist the key to the right two times and then to the left like four times like it's really <laughs> funny um it's interesting seeing like what different things like they there's very they care a lot about security here um which is which is nice but sometimes it's just it's it's annoying and yeah how were like how how did Dublin react to you? Like how how was it coming out there? <laughs> well, there was the parade. That was nice. <laughs> right, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and then you went around going like, "I am on a quest to." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, like. <laughs> um, I mean, m- like the the average reaction to me is just confusion as to why I would move here from Los Angeles, <laughs> but, like. <laughs> Um, You're like, I wanted to be I, an entertainer, so I moved to Dublin. Like, I don't, <laughs> why did you guys get this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it, I have, well, I have the same conversation with every Irish person that I talk to long enough, it, which is like, why would you come here? Like, you were in Los Angeles, um, where all the movies are from. Uh, <laughs> and then I say, well, I, I just, I really like the culture here over the culture in Los Angeles and I like how much people care about people here and I like uh, how how the spoken word is so valued here and there's all this history and then uh, inevitably they're always like oh yeah no it's way better here <laughs> like <laughs> and and I've talked to so many Irish people who have left Ireland and um come back just because like I can't stress how humanist the culture is and like how many, which I, which is, I feel so shitty saying to, to, um, any fellow American right now with, with everything that's happening, but like they're, they really, their, their social programs and everything are, are, it's all, it's all great. And like puts, puts people first and everyone's taken care of. And that makes for a really expressive culture, I think. Yeah, that sounds nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's very nice. But uh, culture, culture, the Irish people people are very welcoming, and um, I, I've I feel like I'm making some great friends, and they're like not confused as to why I'm here, and they're very like sweet and cool, and you know, you find your own people in every place. And my friends here aren't different at all from my friends back home really like yeah did you so you you mentioned that your comedy sensibilities overall kind of meshed well with ireland but was it was there anything that you had to adjust to like as a performer that like was different or or sort of things that you you know like ways Mm -hmm. that you had to adjust your you know yeah uh, the biggest totally (laughs) i'm stepping (laughs) on all your questions uh i'm sorry um the biggest the biggest thing is the the biggest thing is preparation. Um, people are way more prepared for performances here, and there's a much bigger culture of rehearsing for things. Whereas in LA or other places, like 
it would be acceptable to to show up on stage and be like, I'm just going to here. I got this paper in front of me and I'm just going to try out some stuff there. That's like not really a thing here at all. And um, everything tends to be much better written. And Irish people are just funnier, um, Mm -hmm. which sounds shitty. But but that what what that means, what ends up happening is because it's just because it's such a verbal culture. And people speak so much faster here. So they have to know more words (laughs) to fill (laughs) the the time. Like I sound so slow in my head when I'm talking to Irish people, but, um, because everyone, because people are generally funny and because people, everyone thinks they're funny here, even if they're not, everyone thinks they're hilarious. (laughs) So if you go on stage, uh, you have to be really funny or they will give you nothing. <laughs> that is a big, that's a big thing. Um, they're not as, I think in LA, maybe because also this is an audiences that are maybe a little friendlier uh, because they're audiences of people who want to do comedy or students of comedy or whatever. But you, you'd, you'd get more like gracious pity laughs in LA than you would here. Um but uh, something I had to learn really quickly when I came here was that, which is a nice thing to learn, which is that Irish people grew up with American television and movies. So when I first came here, I thought I had to like explain everything I was talking about. And like <laughs> I, it's really embarrassing. Like I listened to my first set um, that I did when I came here and I'm just really dumbing everything down and explaining things. And now like looking back at it, it's like, they know what all of those, (laughs) all of these phrases are and everything like the internet is around and they all had our TV. So, um, (laughs) that's been, that's been an interesting thing. Um, yeah. And the, and just learning people curse a lot here, which is delightful. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I I wanted to specifically ask you a little bit too about the uh, the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival that you did. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, what was that experience like, and you know, doing uh, what was that experience like? I don't know why I was adding to that question. <laughs> well, um, speaking of no preparation, uh, I um, I signed up to do the Edinburgh, or, or like I when you when you do the Fringe Festival, what you do is you book a venue or you work with a company that books a venue for you. So I did that and you just have to provide like a name for your show and a summary. And I did that without having a show, uh, really at all. And I just kind of wrote a summary of like, Oh, this is what I will do, I think. Um, and then I went on my U S tour of this feels terrible, my podcast. And I thought that like, I was just going to write the show on the road, like an hour long show. Um, and I didn't do that because I was doing the live podcast and I just thought, Oh, I'll, I'll just, I'll figure it out. And then a week before Edinburgh, I wrote, I started to write a show. And then like two days before the, the actual show opened, that's when I wrote the show. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I learned that I could write a show quickly. Um, <laughs> and then I did that show for 28 days straight. So by the end of the run, the show was was really good. But at the beginning, it was, I, I won't say it was bad, but it definitely like wasn't as good as it could have been. And it was kind of like a storytelling slash stand-up show. So it was... Um, it was it was a really it was a really good learning experience. Uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is also its own thing. It's like its own city that exists once a month, 
or once a year. And um, now that I've done it, I'm excited about doing it this year and doing so many things differently. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was it, it was a good. It was it was an interesting experience. I had one show where uh, an old man was heckling me the whole time, like positively heckling me because I was talking about heartbreak, and he was like, "I'll love you. I'll take care of you." Like throughout the entire <laughs> show. Um, and I kept on stopping my show to kind of like uh, and. I don't know, I was making jokes with him, not at him, but like we were kind of joking around together. And I was enjoying that because it was something different because I was doing the same show every day. But that was the day that I had a reviewer in and he wrote me the meanest review of all time. So that was a low point. But oh, no. aside from that, yeah, it was so mean. It was so <laughs> mean. So mean. Um, and he like, bar- I don't know, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I, I also got some really nice reviews and I got, um, I made people cry in a nice way because <laughs> I had like sad parts of my show. Um, I also was talking about my divorce and moving to Ireland and stuff. So I kind of worked through a few things. Um, and I befriended Chris Gethard who was also performing there and him and I talked a lot about, you know, writing a show about something that was like, use not that we were using our show to get through things, but when you have to, when you're using your own life for comedy, like you learn things that you probably wouldn't otherwise. No, I listened to the the podcast that you did with Chris Gethard and that like, yeah, that conversation oh. was fantastic. Like it was, yeah, I really Thank loved you. hearing both of you yeah. talk about it all. That that was kind of specifically why I wanted to. He's a great dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, he is fascinating. Like he's, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, so um, what a, so obviously being happy is primarily the goal, but what, what else are you <laughs> Uh, like where, where, what's the future hold for you? Like what, where are you looking toward? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, now I have more concise goals, I think. Um, I, I really want to, I mean, I'm building up, uh, my stand up and stuff here so I can tour around the UK and Ireland, um, I want to, I'm hoping, I'm working on a, I'm working on a show right now with a production company. And so we'll see where that goes. Um, and I'm still doing my podcast, which I'm, um, like a lot. Uh, and I've been doing some extra things for that. And I've, uh, I've, it's, it's been like a year of considering whether or not I should do this, but, I'm going to be launching a Patreon soon so I can do some like weird secret things. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So that's a thing. Um, but overall, like besides being happy, I, I want to, I, I, I want to be like a successful comedian in Ireland and do, um, shows and stuff. And I'm doing, uh, right now for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, I'm working on a one woman murder mystery. So that's, that's the thing I'm working on right now. A one woman murder mystery. That, yeah. Yeah. What it, can you talk about that at all? Or? Uh, yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's a murder mystery and the, the perspective of the, the audience is that of the detective. So they're interviewing these different people that are suspects in the murder mystery. So it's basically a one person character sketch show, but there's like a, an interactive element to it a bit. So yeah, but I'm, I'm working, working that all out. That sounds delightful. Like that, that's such a cool Thank idea. You. Yeah. 
Thank you. I actually, I did kind of a version of it once a few years ago that Matt Gorley directed. It's me oh, and Matt nice. Gorley. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm doing, doing it again. Uh, well, awesome. I, I feel like we, you've been very generous with your time and I feel like we've covered a lot, but is there anything I didn't ask about that I, I should have or anything else you want to <laughs> <laughs> mention? How dare you not ask what perfume I wear? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Mademoiselle oh, by nice. Coco Chanel. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I hope I didn't um, blabber on too much. I, I would, I would like to excuse it by it being late and me having a ton of coffee and being a little punchy, but, um, no, I feel like I talked a lot. <laughs> no, it was, it was delightful. Like it, it was exactly what I wanted. No, it was perfect. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. There you have it. Aaron McGathy. Delightful. Such a good chat. Such a good time talking to her. Uh, and I, I really appreciate her time. I, I really appreciate how candid and, and delightful that she was. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you did, obviously go to hobotrashcan.com. Go check out the archives. There's a lot of other interviews. Uh, you will enjoy them. And, uh, you know, check back. We, we should have some more interviews soon. And, and of course, uh, more, you know, just regular podcasts with me and Lars. So definitely stay tuned. Definitely keep checking back in. And until next time, remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die. Now
still warm A heart that was torn By the voices that fall This is Erin McGathy, and you're listening to Hobo Radio. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> so there <you> go. <laughs> Perfect. That was inspired by your grumpy cat photo. <laughs> oh, yeah. On the WhatsApp. That is, yeah, I wanted to, I signed up for today so I could, we could do this call, and that was the first photo of myself that I had in my phone. <laughs> no, I, I like that. Yeah, so you've, I assume, like me, like I've been staring at a photo of you with a hot dog for an hour. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, <laughs> I forgot. Been. Yeah, I'd like to change that because I WhatsApp with my dad and it's so phallic. <laughs> just kind of, because I, and I think that's funny, but uh, yeah. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network like this one we have to ask it's a podcast where we answer the question are you gonna eat that what will you leave behind why get out of bed will you be our neighbor i'm marty and i'm jonathan we're two hosts infinite universes we We have have to ask ask. new interviews every tuesday find us on itunes or online at we have to ask.com or with the other great podcasts on the peak sloth network at peaksloth.com.